0: Okay, uh, so let me ring the bell again. Yeah, I'm going to do my best. Um, We're going to go ahead and start with the adult instruction class here. Um, I'm going to make, uh, yeah, I'm going to do the best I can to get through this in about 20 minutes to conclude what we did last week um, and just close the commandments here. Uh, We're on the eighth commandment. Exodus chapter 20 verse 16 says, you shall not bear false testimony against your neighbor. The second commandment is uh, about telling lies about God. The eighth commandment is about telling lies about your neighbor. Uh, And both are to be uh, prohibited and and rebuked. Um, Now, there's two kinds of lying. There's active lying and uh, passive lying. So. Uh, active lying is to deliberately say lies about others and ruin the reputation. Uh, let me ask you this. What's worse, a whole lie or a half truth? A half truth. Because it's dangerous. Uh, what you do is you're, you're taking something that's believable and you're mixing it with falsehood. Uh, this is the same with doctrine, too. Uh, the most dangerous doctrine is not doctrine that just flat out contradicts the scriptures but that takes the scriptures and mixes it uh, with air. Thank you. Um, so, I mean, th- consider like rat poison. Um, rat poison, the makeup of it is like 99% cornmeal and like 1% poison. <laughs> and because of that 1%, the whole thing is, is ruined, right? You can't say, uh, it, it becomes incredibly dangerous and powerful precisely because there's truth mixed into it. Um, so, in the same way, not only with doctrine but with lies about our neighbor, uh, gossiping about someone, saying mixing truth with some error about them is is horrible. It is a horrible, horrible thing. Um, so that 's active lying is to actively go out of your way and say something like this. The other kind is passive lying, and what this is is tolerating and accepting gossip and slander about others. That is a form of breaking the Eighth Commandment, Um, meaning it's entertaining lies and gossip or rumors and then doing nothing to stop it. So it's as if somebody says, um, somebody walks in here and says, well, I'm going to start talking about this person and tell you how bad of a person they are, this and that. Um, If I do nothing about it, I'm now... I'm passive in this, but I'm entertaining it. I'm allowing it to be the case. And that's wrong. And that, that's rebuked in the Eighth Commandment. Um, the, uh, okay, you also don't wanna give the impression that you've accepted these lies or these comments about someone else. Uh, just my general observation, men have the most difficult time with the Sixth Commandment and women, have the most difficult time with the Eighth Commandment. Uh, this commandment is very, very difficult for, for many women. Uh, I mean, if you, if you just consider things like um, a lot of the reality TV shows, they're just made up of, they're filled to the brim with gossip, right? And that's kind of, the, the, there's so much, it, there's an attraction to that. Um, and so this is something we have to be very, very careful for. There's a weakness and I'm not saying men don't fall into this. Of course they do too. Uh, but on, on the whole, uh, this tends to be a, a very big problem for a lot of women. Um, the other thing we have to consider here is when truth is harmful. So this is a dangerous thing. So people will say, well, if it's true, then I can talk about it. But that's not always the case because the, there could be something true that hurts your neighbor's reputation. Even though it's true, that doesn't give you then the right to be the spokesman for that. So to say, um, so for example, if if someone has done something shameful or embarrassing, that just because it happened and it is true, it doesn't give us then the right to go around and tell everybody, hey, do you know what this person just did? Right? Uh, This happened. Rather, what we're called to do is cover each other's um, uh, shame uh, and with love and to do because let me put it this way would you want somebody doing that to you if something embarrassing happens to you you, you do something embarrassing or you lose your co- cool at one moment or something are you okay with everybody or some person going around and just telling everybody about that moment no I don't, I don't think you would uh, well I, I wouldn't either and so in this way the eighth commandment bids us to then speak uh, kindly of our neighbor, um, to put the best construction on everything. That means if there's something neutral, don't jump to fill in the gap of why something happened with evil. Don't ascribe evil intentions or motivations. So, for example, somebody comes in late here today. Uh, to ascribe evil will then be to say, well, they don't care. They're not a, they, this person just doesn't care about uh, other people. They don't care about anyone else's time. And see, this just proves that this person is lazy. Well, now you've just in- inserted all this evil intention and motivation when it could have been they're trying to get to church, they, their tire gets blown out, they take an Uber, and they finally get here. Well, that's, that's commendable. That's a good thing. That's honorable. But now what we've done is we've inserted any gray area with evil, and that's what we, we don't want to do. So the Eighth Commandment uh, prohibits that. So, again, we don't want to go around saying, like, can you believe this happened or can you believe this person did this or that? Um, There are a couple of reasons why people lie. Uh, One is envy to tear people down. Another selfishness to make themselves look better by comparison. I think that happens quite a bit is they, they go together by tearing people down. You're actually lifting yourself up. Because in comparison, you say, well, at least I'm not like this person or that person. And when you push everyone else down and show their flaws, well, then the only flaws you're not pointing out are your own, (laughs) right? Um, Yeah, yeah. Well, right. I mean, this this is a problem. That is broken. The Eighth Commandment is broken. Yeah. I don't I don't know if it's possible. Yeah. I mean it could, could be. Could they be elected? Expected to jump into this bus. Yeah. It's it's a it's a very very yeah, only there's a be lot of
1: by people who don't care about it. But
0: right. Actually. So we have to be very careful and discern the difference between truth that is public. So if something is public and it's public knowledge, you have you can talk about it because it is publicly known. If something is private, you can't talk about it publicly. Um, if it's private, then you keep it private. If it's public, then you t- keep it public. So, for example, to say, to talk about the assassination of uh, Osama bin Laden. Okay, that happened. That's news. You can talk about that. You're not sinning or, or breaking the Eighth Commandment there. But if uh, you see your neighbor, I don't know, struggling, um, I don't know, they're, they're engaged in, in some sin, and rather than talking to them, you go around and tell other people about it. Now you're sinning and you have the worst sin now. Uh, you, have, you have a bigger problem because now you've left your neighbor to the wolves and you've gone to to make a name for yourself. Um, so what we're supposed to do is defend our neighbor from accusation. We speak well of him, cover his faults. We explain everything in the kindest way. Ephesians 4.15, speak the truth in love. So... The bottom line here is that the treasure of the Eighth Commandment is what? What is the treasure? Sorry? Reputation. A reputation. Uh, and uh, your reputation is, is your name. Your reputation is what people think about you when they hear your name. So the, the thoughts that come to mind and the feelings that come to mind. So when somebody says, oh, Rojas, oh, man, you know, and they have all these thoughts like, oh, he's this or that or, oh, he's great or that. That's your reputation. Somebody says, Emma, okay, now I have thoughts of Emma. Oh, yeah, she's this, this, this. That's your reputation. You ought to let every person make their own reputation and you don't make a reputation for them, right? Meaning, so I don't go around and try to change your reputation and neither should you do that to me because a reputation is very, very difficult to make. It's a good reputation is very, very difficult. Um, a hard name, or sorry, a name, a good name is hard to, to make. Uh, a good name for yourself. And um, what, what's so terrible about slander and gossip is that it can ruin someone's reputation and people become um, estranged from them all because somebody said something. That's awful. Like, if, if, if you've been on the receiving end of gossip and slander, you know what this feels like. It is the absolute, you're helpless. It is the worst feeling in the world. Because no, you, you're helpless, you can't do anything about it. And the other person's, what happens is you give them a, a lens through which to view everything that you do. And so once you put in the, 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 the mind that this person is blank, Every, every action that's neutral, they're going to paint with this lens of what they see. And they're gonna fill in the gaps there. Um, give me, oh yeah, real quick. I was
1: gonna say real quickly, in you know, which you made reference to this, public, you know, when they're making statements different, I mean, because you know, it drives me crazy. I'm thinking, what do we do when these, they're going to, you know, wolves and sheep's clothing. And we see pastors preaching heresy you know, and order. I mean, you talk to someone and say, Well, my pastor said it's sorry to live together. My pastor says it's sorry to live right. my pastor said you, know, you gotta stop these people. You know, I mean I mean what would we do if we didn't? Yes. And also the second point I wanted to make is uh, you look at the requirements for a pastor in the Bible and it says it's gotta be above reproach. They can be forgiven, but if we've got pastors that are getting involved with pornography or doing all this kind of stuff, you know, I mean they are not to be pastors, you know. They right. need to get away because there are people looking at this guy and saying, "I mean, really? Is this? What is he telling me?" So that's yeah, not yeah. breaking the eighth commandment. That's correct. Following the scripture and doing what we're supposed
0: to do. Correct. Warning people of false doctrine—that's publicly preached and said—is not breaking the eighth commandment. You're you're correct. Um, and in fact, we ought to do that. So things that are publicly said, we can publicly address. Uh, things that are privately said, we Deal with privately, you know. So, if, if it's one thing if, if a pastor says something uh, privately, I don't know, to one person, well, you got to deal with that in that case. But if he says it publicly from the pulpit, you can, without any shame, uh, speak about that and without fear of breaking the eighth command. And in fact, in Luther's large catechism, he, he talks about that. That's a big, big portion of it. Uh, this is how he was able to rebuke the papacy and the false doctrine there because it was public. Um, Proverbs 22 verse one says, "A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor that is respect rather than silver and gold." Um, <clears throat> okay, let me move on real quick to the ninth and tenth commandment. The ninth and tenth commandments are about coveting, so Exodus 2017 says, "You shall not covet your neighbor's house." And it continues, "You shall not covet your neighbor's wife." man-servant, male, female-servant, ox-donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. The distinction here is subtle, but it's wrong to covet. And then this commandment splits in two and shows different things to covet after. Uh, the ninth commandment is about coveting inanimate objects, house and things. And the tenth commandment is about coveting animate objects, things with life, uh, um, manservant, maidservant, ox, donkey, wife, all those sort of things. Um, <clears throat> so I, I want to talk about this in a little bit in detail. Covetousness is to have a strong desire for something that isn't yours, that the Lord hasn't given to you, and then to be con- discontent with what God has given you. In other words, covetousness is like, comparison, and then being... So it's not wrong to compare. But in the act of comparing, you then become discontent with what you have. Now you have coveted. So, for example, sitting here and looking at someone's house and saying, wow, this is a beautiful house. You can appreciate it. Say, wow, this house is bigger than mine. You You can do that. This house has a nice fence and a pool. You can do that. I love being here. You can do that. But then when you go home to your house... And then you're down saying, this is awful. I hate my house. This is so bad. Man, I wish I had that house. That Now you have broken the ninth and 10th commandment. You are now coveting. And because what you're doing is now you're discontent with what God gave you because of what God gave someone else. And now you've broken the commandment. This is wrong. Now that happens with inanimate objects. It also happens with animate things. Like wives, as, as it clearly says. To look at someone else's wife, and, and this is not in lust, this isn't a, a sexual thing, but to look, and this is a very different thing, what this commandment is addressing, is to say, well, this wife is so smart, and this wife is so kind, and this wife sings really well, and that, I wish my wife were more like that wife, <laughs> right? Sorry? This, wife cooks, this one cooks. This one cooks. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, you, you, you could do it right, right with husbands as well. The, the reason it says wives here, it this one also includes husbands. Yeah, this one works. This one doesn't. Um, this is for the head of the house to teach. But uh, women can do this too, that they say, look, I'm discontent with my husband because I like that husband, the way he is as a person and uh, his personality, all, all these sort of things. And then to the point where you get discontent with the husband that God gave you, what God has joined together. And then you, you now despise it because you want that. So, th- and this is a, a very, I think this is a, such an important commandment, the ninth and tenth commandment, Um, It doesn't mean you can't want or aspire to things like to want a bigger house. That's fine. Look, we're outgrowing our house. We want to build this and that. You can do that. But don't become discontent while doing it is the point. And don't let discontentment be the driving motivation for this. Um, Let me put it this way. The marks of covetousness. I think there are two marks of covetousness. One is unhappiness. And the other is boredom. If you're unhappy and if you're bored, you are certainly breaking these commandments. Boredom is in Ye- these commandments? Yes. So my eight year old sister tells me all the time, I'm bored. I yep. don't know what to do. Yeah. She's breaking the commandment.
1: <laughs> that that
0: is in in fact it is a sin to be bored. And I'll I'll get on get to that in a second here. So unhappiness first. Um, unhappiness is a, a symptom of a, a covetous heart. So, if somebody's really grumpy all the time, or angry, or complains a lot, that is a sign of covetousness. Um, it's it's a I don't know. It's a thing nowadays to just complain about everything. And I talk about this a lot. Like, ah, oh, this co- I've had better coffee. I've had better steak. I've had everything's better. Okay, then go away. Uh, just <laughs> can't you be happy with what you have, right? Yeah, okay, you can, you can compare, I guess. I don't know, and say, oh, this coffee was made this way. That, But nobody wants to be around somebody like that. So it's saying, well, I've had something better. Well, oh, you, wanted, oh, you went on one boat? I, I have two, and this one's bigger. Oh, I, you traveled here? Well, I traveled here. Ugh, come on, right? It's one thing to just make friendly conversation. It's another to constantly compare in this way. And this is unhappiness. Um, by the way, being grumpy is something that not only affects the person, uh, but everyone around them. So grumpiness is like uh, hygiene. So I'll put it this way. If you don't shower or brush your teeth, um, after a while, you're not going to notice the smell, right? Because that's normal to you, but everyone else will. So you walk into a room and everyone's like, oh, what, what's that smell? What, there's bad hygiene, right? Um, your smell doesn't affect you anymore, but it's affecting everybody else. In the same way, this is what unhappiness and grumpiness does, is y- you get used to it and this is just you. That's, that's how life is. And that's how every day starts and ends, is with you and your attitude. But everybody around you picks up on it and they, and they see that uh, attitude and it affects them. Yeah.
1: There's a difference between unhappiness and depression. I mean, Luther was big time depressed. You know, with the state of mind. I mean, it, and in today's world, you know, it, you just look out there, you can be pretty depressed. Yeah. You know, with all the you know, immoral things going on. And plate. praise be to God, we have Zion to come to. It's as opposed to a lot of these other churches where I'd be totally depressed. Yeah. <laughs> to. Yeah. So you yeah. see what I'm saying? So you know, you, you look out there and you feel for. I mean, you know, see in the news, you know, there's that movie with, you know, child trafficking and all this kind of stuff. And you see yeah. Kids and I, I just wanted to start breaking down and crying. I'm thinking, I want to save all these people. I mean, if you don't look and you just ignore all that, then, I mean, you, you may be happier, but are you just ignoring problems of the world then?
0: Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, there there is unhappiness. Um, all, all, I'm not saying that to be happy all the time is attainable, but I am saying that unhappiness is a sin. And and I'll get to why it's a sin here, too. Okay, boredom. This is the second one. Uh, Boredom is a symptom of a covetous heart because there's no reason we should be bored. God has created his creation. He has created so many wonderful things. There's so many words and accounts in the scriptures. There's so many. We can be introspective. To, to this massive degree. We can look outward in the world. We can see microscopic things. We can see planets, galaxies. Um, I saw a shooting star in the morning. A shooting star, yeah. And then imagine, God creates all this, all of this stuff, and then you walk around and you say, I'm bored. There's nothing to do. R- really? <laughs> really? No, I, I think it's that you don't find it interesting. You don't find God's creation interesting. You don't find life exciting and interesting, well then there's something, there's a problem and that boredom is now a covetousness that's that's in your heart. So yeah, and we should never be bored, even in church. The third commandment says um, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy, what does this mean? We should fear and love God that we should not despise preaching and the word, but hold it sacred and no? Gladly. Gladly. Hear and learn it gladly, not begrudgingly, not out of boredom or anything so, so that the word of God is exciting to us and, and we should rejoice in it and we shouldn't be bored in this way. Um, let me end with a few things here. Hold on.
1: That's something that sometimes I struggle with, comparing, you know, how come they got that and I don't
0: got this, and how come they got this, or you compare one kid against the other. How do you handle that? Good. Um, my point here is to show what the commandment requires, and... Remember the analogy of of the, the doctor coming in to the guy who broke his collarbone. Um, he tells him to move his arm, and he realizes he can't. And the point is to say, he, he knew he couldn't move his arm. He's just showing the guy, you can't move your arm like you thought you could. In the same way, the point of these commandments, it's overwhelming. They're simple, reasonable commands. But the point is to see, we can't do it. <laughs> like, when I, when I realized, look... If boredom is actually a sin before God, to be bored with the things he said and the the world and everything in my life, then I've broken the commandments because I've been bored in my life. And there's, I don't know how not to be bored, right? So that shows that there's not a problem with the creation. There's a problem with me, that I find the things that God has done boring. I, why? I find the Bible boring. What is wrong with me? There's something wrong with me. That God has given so many things. What I truly deserve is temporal and eternal death. I ought to be in hell right now, burning with no hope. And I'm not. And somehow I'm unhappy about things, about this life. Why? Isn't the way your life is going right now significantly better than being in hell forever with no hope? I mean, if you just compare the two. Which one's better? Would you be happier? Where would you be happier? <laughs> Here, in this life. A, a million times you would choose this life over, over what you deserve. So the point is, is that this is showing the deep flaw in our soul that we are discontent, we're unhappy with, uh, with the things God made and there's no reason for us to be. Um, so again, I'm not saying that we're able to remedy this, but there is... This is just showing the symptoms or the, the problem. They're, happy. They're very happy. Yeah, because, yeah, they, <laughs> yeah. Okay, let me close with this real quick. Um, uh, hi guys. Hi. Okay, give me one second here. Okay. You can come in, but can be quiet. Okay. Um, tips to be happy here or to keep this commandment. One, just a practical tip, is learn to be thankful. And start your day with thanksgiving and just start noticing what is good. And a good way to do that is to uh, compare it to what you think I think They are coming with me. Okay. Oh, all right. Then you go with mom. Um, oh, okay. If you don't listen, then. Um, so you, you have to be thankful. So you start noticing good and then you thank God for it. And the second thing is this is to pretend to be happy even if you're not Um, it sounds counterintuitive but this is this is important my point here is that happiness is actually a moral discipline it is something it is like a muscle you exercise and work on Uh, especially I mean this is a commandment this is something you work on like for example uh, coming to church that's something you work on it's it's you, you can see some improvements. I'm not saying you can solve this completely, but there are ways to then not continue pushing against these commandments in these ways. So, anyway, the the bottom line is that covetousness is the the commandment that we break. I think uh, very very often, especially when we're doing well, when our lives are going well, um, we begin to covet and. Here in the States, we do that quite a bit. Um, let me stop here and oh wait, sorry, one last thing. A verse: Philippians 4:11. This is what Paul says: "I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content, whatever situation. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound." In any and every circumstance I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance, and need. And then he says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. And the strength here is the ability to be content even in suffering. You see this? That's what, that's what Paul is saying there. Um, so you don't want to tell your children, grow up and do what makes you happy. That is the worst advice. What you want to tell them is learn to be happy and be happy with what God has given you. Whatever it is, whether health or sickness, plenty or little, abundance or need, be happy with it and learn to thank God. And if you do that, then I've raised you right. (laughs) Right. That that's the thing to, to achieve. Okay, let me close here.